Okay, so I am glad to uh, be able to present this lesson to you. This is My Life in Christ 1.2, and it's a lesson that I call First Steps. And what we're going to do is talk about baptisms, really. We'll get there, but we'll, we're going to set that up a bit. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for this class time, and I thank you for the heart of people that are willing to take steps. And Lord, those that have taken, that this is a refresher for them. I pray that they'll remember those first steps. And I pray, Father, for affirmation of those first great steps of faith and obedience. And for those that have steps of obedience to take and steps of clear first steps, steps that make a difference, steps that are rightly connected to the foundation or cornerstone who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, I pray that you'll affirm and that there will be life that, Lord, in a way that words can't, but your spirit can, bear witness in the hearts. Use this time. Anoint me to speak using this modality and anoint them to hear that, God, that in the end we might grow in our life in Christ and become more like you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. So here's what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to begin by right from the notes, so if you don't have those notes when you look, uh, there will be a, an attached file for you to be able to download a PDF, but I'm going to read right from there to begin. First steps. Steps of faith and obedience to the Lord are vital to experiencing the growth necessary to fully discover and realize God's unique plan for your life. There's a mouthful there, so take it in. You will hear this referred to as walking with the Lord or walking in the Spirit. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles or the foundational principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, maturity, completion. Not laying again, and, though, and he's referring to now those foundational steps that significantly are connected to the cornerstone that everything else is built upon. That's why it's important. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. It's a unique plan for you. It's a great plan for you. It's the perfect plan for us. And we do have to come to a place where we grow in our capacity to can I trust God and, and will I trust God to unfold his plan in my life. I can also read that, and I'm going to read that to you uh, from the Amplified, that same verse. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. That is what we are after, and that's why we're doing this, these classes. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works. That's turning from doing it my way. That's the, that's the kind way of saying it. For some of us, it, it's repentance from terrible things. For some of us, it's what people would think is good things, but it's so self, selfish. It's so oriented on me, myself, and I, and not oriented on who am I in Christ. 
Let us not again be laying that foundation of repentance and abandonment from dead works, dead formalism. Often that's religion. The Apostle Paul thought of what his, his history, which was of great benefit to him, but he thought of it as actually dead formalism. He, he came to a place where he, he said he called it at rubbish, and it wasn't the benefit he got out of it. It was the idea that in and of itself it had no power because it was not connected correctly to the living God. So these verses, and now on, this, on the screen above me, therefore let us, not, let us go on to perfection. Again, so what does that tell us? And that's what I want us to consider and as I just look at those verses again and then I want to just talk for a few minutes about what is that exactly telling us and how, what do we take from it? Go on to perfection, a word that some people are afraid of, and if it's used with religion, if it's used in trying to create an outside-in Christianity, which I mean by that, a Christianity that looks right but doesn't depend on being right. And I'm strongly urging you and I to, and I love this because this is helpful to me still today, build from the inside out, connect with Christ, and then build from that connection with Christ. That's what we're encouraging repentance and faith, laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So that moment that you believed, and if you're watching this and you haven't believed, we, we do come to believe, have come to believe that Jesus is the source of our now and forever salvation. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. That the works that we do, and we do works, but the works we do do not earn favor for that salvation they don't make us more likely to be saved our salvation is secure and rests on christ alone and repentance is me turning from one foundation however my life was built and becoming that new creation 2 corinthians 5 17 in christ old things are passed away all things are becoming new and that's what's really going on for us and so i move my life to that foundation it doesn't mean I don't have problems. I thought at one point it did. That's not how it works. But it does mean now I'm in Christ. Now I'm a new creation. Now I'm a new kind. You're a new kind. Our faith towards God is vital. It's, it's part of our fundamental connection to him. As we put our trust in him, it is now just not what I, my head says. It now is What's going on inside of me? And in my heart, I'm resting my hope for acceptance now and acceptance forever with God fully on Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. That, that suffering, his death, I affirm that. We will affirm that in water baptism. We will, by faith, apply that. We'll, our water baptism, and I'm jumping ahead to say it, but our water baptism is a burial, a formal burial service for the old man, which, by the way, we don't have to have in a church. In COVID season, we could have it at your house. We could have it somewhere because maybe we just can't find a way to do baptism for 10 people at the same time during COVID because it would be considered um, not acceptable to too uh, likely to uh, make a virus communicable. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Now, these are foundational teachings. 
the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, we practice it all the time, we think something's happening there, resurrection from the dead and of eternal judgment. So the question in the middle of the page or close to the middle of the page is what do the above verses tell you about God's work in the life of the believer and how it will be built? I've written something out. Perhaps you can see it on the screen and I'll, I'll read it. Perfection or spiritual maturity for Jesus' disciples, and that's what I hope you are, that's who I hope you are, that's who I am, is built on a foundation, Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith, which is how I actually get on the foundation. Oh, let me just adjust my slides. you and sorry for that mix up so perfection or spiritual maturity for jesus disciples you and me disciple follower you and me followers of jesus that's what i'm doing from the from the core that's what this life is about now it can be a lot of fun but it's not about fun first it's about jesus first and jesus at the center jesus at the foundation or at the core repentance and faith very critical because that's getting the other things out of the way, turning from and turning toward. Turning from something and turning toward him. The faith is the turning toward, the repentance is turning from. So that's what we're affirming in these things and that's what it's encouraging. Ba water baptism is going to also affirm that. Baptism in the water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, God immerses us in his Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to overflowing. So we are saturated in the Holy Spirit. That is something I am absolutely encouraging you to do or to receive, to ask for, believe for, and that's something that we'll be talking about today. They are critical parts of a healthy biblical foundation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, now we're into B, foundation stones, Number one, the chief foundation stone or the beginning foundation stone is Jesus Christ right there in your notes. The cornerstone or the beginning. Ephesians chapter 2 reads, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so please note that this building because we don't think of buildings as alive, but this building is alive. This building that you and I are together is a, is a place where his presence dwells and he is the life inside that building. Praise the Lord for that. He becomes, he's everything to me and he begins to define for us how a life, how he intended life to be lived. Repentance from dead works and faith towards God is, uh, spoken about in Acts 2.38, which we'll come back to also. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He's referencing their water baptism for the remission of sins. So he's connecting their repentance. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me my sins. He's connecting their repentance 
literally with faith in him, turning from, turning to, with their water baptism. And then take the next step, a real step. Don't just use words. Now turn it into a real action, not just a saying, which is an action, but do a specific thing. And that specific thing he's encouraging them to do is get baptized in water, and then he says, and you will receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They come to faith. Jesus comes alive in them, and God wants to not just let there be a heartbeat in them, which is great. He wants to, them to be full of his life, full of him. For the promise is to you. So we're talking about, again, and there's the other foundation stones there, which I'm not going to go into, but we'll talk about them in the future. It's baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Both of those things become these critical elements. Now, in definitions, again, we're on, now we're on page two at the top of the page. The root Greek word, Bapto, to dip something into a fluid and then take it out. Like you would put if I put my finger in a glass of water and pulled it out. Bapto, I put it in, I pulled it out. That kind of a thing. Jesus, at the Last Supper, he answered, it is, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Bapto. That's the root word. The actual word, baptizo, to cause something to be dipped, to be plunged, and what they mean by that is fully wet. And again, that's that verse, repent. So if you have a receiving Christ that has no repentance in it, I'm encouraging you to reconsider what's going on. Take a look at that. That I, th there's mysteries about how God works in a heart. I'm on the outside trying to be a pastor, trying to be a teacher, Bible teacher, and encourage you and your faith and want you to have a great foundation and come to a place of having a lot of really good fruit that is not just a blessing in this life but lasts forever. Well, he's making it clear that without repentance, real remorse, regret for the way that I've lived, seeing it for what it is, the eyes open and I see I have been wrong. That's why Paul could say that his upbringing, even to the point of being trained carefully at a high level in the law of God, in the word of God, but he called it rubbish because it wasn't oriented towards a vibrant living faith in God. It was oriented towards religion that was, that was using the word of God, but it wasn't, he was no longer inhabiting that religious exercise. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He wants us to experience cleansing from our sin. He wants us to experience freedom from our sin, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, so that we no longer feel or identify with somehow just being wrong. Just, I'm a mess, I'm wrong. Or being guilty. If, you've, if you were robbed a bank, you're guilty. But when it's answered for, it's over. When it's taken care of properly, it's over. And when your sins are answered for, and for us, that means let Jesus take our place. Let Jesus pay that price.
for us on our behalf. Now, in John's baptism in the New Testament, and I mention this because many believers in the Bible, you read it, and it's pre-Christian baptism. This looks like Christian baptism. This isn't your baptism and my baptism. John's baptism is doing one basic thing. It's still calling people to telling them the kingdom of God was at hand to the point where if you'll read that whole text in Matthew chapter 3, you'll, di you'll discover, you'll read that Jesus shows up. Now Jesus is a 30-year-old man who shows up at John's baptism and people, he's out in the wilderness somewhere. There's a body of water there and many people from the countryside, many people from the cities have heard about John and heard this message that he's preaching, a message of repentance that to, to, and he's declaring himself, I'm a forerunner. I'm making a path for God's plan. Something, God's going to do something. Somebody's coming. And so he said he was a forerunner to that one who would come. And, and so uh, John, Jesus comes and he presents himself to John to be baptized. Now John is not, he recognizes the Spirit of God in a manifest way comes on Jesus in a way that John can see it. There's a, uh, he literally, he sees a dove and he hears God speak from heaven, say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So John does not feel John is not feeling like I'm supposed to, I'm baptizing sinners. You're not a sinner. Now, when you get baptized and I get baptized, that's a sinner getting baptized. But when Jesus is baptized in John's baptism, just like thousands of other people were, the difference is, is they're all sinners and it was, it was about one thing. I'm looking for the kingdom. Two things. I'm looking for the kingdom and I'm regretting, I'm feeling bad about my sins. I'm sorry, I recognize I'm a sinner, and God's got an answer. His kingdom is coming in some way, and I'm looking for it. That's what they were doing. Really irritating to the religious people. But Jesus is baptized. John said these words right on the screen there. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He was talking to people. But there's one coming after me. I'm not worthy. And Jesus would present himself in, in this text, I believe. This is the text where he presents himself and eventually does get baptized. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that fire is not a burn down the house fire. That fire is come alive and see your life renewed, see your life transformed, see a passion birthed in your heart and in your life, a passion for good things, living things, a passion for God and for his purpose. John's baptism, similar to your baptism and my baptism in Christ as a Christian, John's baptism is a turning from sin or repentance. It's a turning to God through faith that Messiah will come. So it's a there is a faith exercise. It is repentance and faith. But the salvation of God is not yet, they haven't yet identified that it's through Christ, that Christ actually is the sacrificial lamb of God. John the Baptist did use those words in the gospel of John. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was said also in that, uh, in that time frame encounter, different gospel, but those words were also said. So Jesus comes and, 
And really, I think if I'm going to understand something, it's going to be these people are all saying I'm sinners and I'm looking for God's Messiah to come. I'm looking for his salvation. And Jesus is going to say, I'm identifying with you. And John's saying, that's the guy. It's not very clear to a lot of people, but that's really what happened in essence. Now, a believer's baptism, your baptism, my baptism, Christian baptism. We have uh, number two in your notes, just past the middle of the page on page two. Matthew 28, the verse is on the screen. After his resurrection, Jesus said these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. He puts it right in the forefront of what our mission is. Our mission is to make disciples, and I believe he's saying water baptism is a critical element of that disciple-making. So a person, a Christian, that takes no steps of obedience, that, takes, that does not come under the authority, does not do things that bear witness to, they've come under the authority of God. They, and I believe it's actually the message of baptism, which is actually identifying with Christ, fundamentally establishing my roots or my foundation for my life is that he has paid for my sins. And if we can get this, and this turns out to be pretty important, if we can get it, that my sins are paid for in Christ, I believe that the other sacrament, which we're going to talk about in the next lesson, which is communion, in that sacrament, we're doing something very similar, but he wants us to get it. And both, we're identifying with part of it, and a critical part of it is identifying with the death of Christ. We're also accepting life in Christ. In baptism, we're believing God raised him from the dead. He was buried, and we are being buried, in a sense, in literal, in water. That's why we're being immersed. We're being buried in water, and just like Christ was raised, we're burying the old man, giving the old man, the old sinner, a funeral. We're saying, now my life is built on Christ, and we're expecting God to release the authority to live as a son or a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, to them he gave the authority and the ability to become children of God or sons and daughters of God. That's what we're believing for. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So we are... We are those, we're the disciples, we're the followers, and this is a critical part of that puzzle. So we have it there, it's in uh, Roman numeral, under two rather, under two, so we see it in A, and that's right there on your screen is A, B, and C. So we, we have these verses which remind us in some way, believe and be baptized. In the book of Acts, they were baptized. Mark is also affirming that. It's for all believers, and it's soon as possible after conversion. And so it has those elements again, those same elements. Turning from sin, I've mentioned those. I hope you see that in the uh, text that you've read. Turning from sin, very important. It's why I'm comfortable with and encourage people to in some way. I don't really... Encourage people to stand in front of a large group and just begin to confess sin and stuff. But I encourage people to audibly confess sin. I encourage people to specifically 
confess sin as Holy Spirit helps you. Here's what I mean by that. If you pause as you are repenting and you say, Holy Spirit, I really am turning to Jesus with all my heart to the best of my ability. Is there anything in me that you want and that would be good for me and right for me to specifically confess to you right now? And wait just a little and listen. And if those things start coming up, this can go on. This, for some people, this goes on. It's not just like an at the altar in three minutes. For some people, this is weeks and as that openness to God abides and they listen, they are, in a sense, in a practical terms, something's happened in their heart, their heart's shifted, they're born again. But they are, in a practical way, moving their foundation from those things that used to have value and used to be important. I was the best bank robber ever, or I was the, I was the best. I could, I could cheat on tests better than any kid in my class, or or, and maybe it wasn't just blatantly wrong things, but the arrogance of I'm so much better than this person. I've done it all by my own strength. I'm a self-made man or woman. But whatever it is, as Holy Spirit gives light, and I do believe it's essential for Holy Spirit to bring that conviction. As he gives light, that's part of that turning from. And the turning to, again, a great text for turning to, it's in this season of my life, this is my go-to text, and it's Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my shalom, my peace, was upon him, and by his stripes I'm healed. Pretty much every struggle that I have in life, that verse Right now in my life, that verse is still helping me a lot. And that's turning to God or exercising faith for those times of refreshing. And your notes under C, water baptism. This is what I, I want you to see there, water baptism. And that's what's on the screen. Water baptism is the first step of obedient faith. It's really a do. It's not just like a do pray or a do think. It's a do something. Confess your faith in front of someone. Tell them. And then acknowledge who he is. And really, it, you don't, you're not, don't really have to wait for this. This is a thing that you do when you're sure uh, that you have turned your life over to Christ. You, you can be, it doesn't have to be months. It could be very soon afterwards. From Romans chapter 6, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So we're identifying with his death. That's what it's talking about. I'm identifying. I'm saying now, as I do water baptism, I by faith am connecting to his death for me. There are people that teach this, and I support this. I, I teach this, but many people teach this, that it's, it's not that water baptism actually saves you. In fact, in, in the first epistle of Peter, I believe it is, it's in the either first or second Peter, he tells us that, that it's, 
not the water that saves, it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. So it's the turning towards God, and it's the actual stepping. The heart that's chosen to step, the heart that's chosen to confess my faith in front of people, to come on to God by God's terms and not on my terms, that heart of faith that's demonstrated in the obedience that says, okay, if he says water baptism, people that don't want to get wet still get water baptized. People that might have anxieties about being under the water still get water baptized. And they, I mean, we try to comfort them, we try to help them understand what's going on, but I've talked to people that it wasn't the easiest thing for them to do. People that were embarrassed about, I'm afraid, I don't, I, I think I look horrible wet, right? Or something like that. But that's, the pride is part of what is, this is not like, your pride's not more important than that step of obedience where you connect with him because that connection is going to save your life again and again and again. And that connection is going to last you literally. It's going to take you to heaven and then it's going to last, that connection will last you forever. But we're also, so we're identifying with his death so this is a funeral. I'm comfortable with calling it a funeral. And it really could be liberating for you, freeing for you, literally free you from habits by giving your old man a funeral, by burying him. That this, this is all my sins. So I'd say anybody getting water baptized, take the time to give Holy Spirit a chance to really let you get specific about your stuff like if there's things you want to take ownership of i believe it really is a mistake to keep it general and just leave it as forgive me for all my sins i'm fine with that in an altar but that really isn't how you go forward god gets specific he really doesn't want you bound by old habits bound by old stuff and part of getting free of that stuff is right in this foundational seed of repentance and faith and the demonstration of repentance and faith or the enacting uh, and personifying, putting it into literal physical action, water, water baptism, as repentance and faith put into action. Raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, no one ever, this is a big deal, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that sets you and me free from sin, free from fear, free from shame, free from guilt. So, when we look at this and we answer the question near the end, so what exactly are we saying is we're saying, we're saying this right here. We're saying, when should a believer be baptized? The bottom of the page. We're saying as soon as possible. I mean, we have, and we were starting, we were using a uh, portable baptistry that we put together, fill it with water, it had warm water in it. But we just aren't seeing a way in this COVID season with certain kinds of restrictions that we're not seeing a way that that tool is the right tool right now. But for you, for anyone that's listening to this and you're saying, but I, I would like to be baptized in water, well, I want to remind you, and I, Let's just, let me just go back to this picture right there for just for a minute for this reason. On the left is a person getting baptized in a 55-gallon drum. In the middle is a person getting baptized in a big body of water. In, a, in the right is a person getting baptized in a kiddie pool. 
We can use a bathtub. We can use a, a feeding trough. We've, we've, I've used a feeding trough before or a water trough for uh, horses before. So it, you can use whatever it is you want to use. Whatever can get you wet, it's the point isn't what are we using. The point is take the step. Now, next page. The second part of this lesson is another step. I believe the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples and he breathes on them and he says, receive you the Holy Spirit. I believe they are regenerated on the inside. That is not a thing that in any common way was part of any covenant in the Old Testament being renewed on the inside by God coming inside the believer. It's not the norm. They express faith. They hear God's voice. He leads them and they, he guides them and they continue to make sacrifice of sin, which the New Testament reminds us never changed the heart of anybody. They just were a gesture of faith to say, but I'm believing for your redemption. Every sacrifice was saying, I'm believing for you to redeem us. I'm believing for the ultimate redemptive plan. Well, when Jesus at that moment in John chapter 20 breathes on them and he says, receive you the Holy Spirit, I believe that is your and my born again. The Spirit of God comes in. But I don't believe it was a moment for them where they were overflowing in the Holy Spirit. And many times, for some people, they, when they receive Jesus, they feel an overflow of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants you and I to be filled and be being filled. That it's normal for us to be filled and then for the flow of God to go out of us and go places and do things. That's normal for Christians. That's normal for disciples. I want it to be normal for you. I hope you can see that it's biblical, and I hope that as we read the next few things. So again, a verse we've read, we've looked at, but focusing on the latter part of the verse now, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, he made it clear earlier in Acts that when they received the Holy Spirit, they not only on that day in John chapter 20 but then, weeks later, while they were waiting in Jerusalem, in the upper room, for the Spirit of God to come on them. Wait until you're endued with power by the Holy Spirit. They were there waiting, and when he had come, now they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they didn't just get the Holy Spirit, they got filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've experienced in simple terms. I wanted at times to lose my will because I didn't, I had battles in my brain and stuff like that. And I talked to you um, in the first lesson about brains aren't born again. Well, I was the guy that needed to hear that brains aren't born again. But when your brains are fighting with you, even, even when God is moving in your life and doing wonderful things, you are in a struggle. But he wants you to be, have peace he wants you to be refreshed, and he wants to overflow in your life so you bear much fruit, so you enjoy him in a full and positive way, a Holy Spirit 
baptism or immersion. It was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, that's one of the places, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out in that time afterward, and then Jesus, when he was crucified and died, was raised from the dead, and then poured out his spirit the day of Pentecost. That's the time. That's the day. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So there were, we're going to be, by the Holy Spirit, there will, there will be experiences, there will be dreams, there will be see things that are seen, and there will be things that are spoken, all coming from this overflow of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 28, not in your notes, it might be referenced somewhere in there, but it's not cited there specifically, but I'll read it because it really did make a difference for me. This was a helpful verse for, for me. Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. For with stammering lips, and this doesn't make sense until it was connected to, there's no place that's is really understood until it's connected to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then them literally speaking in tongues. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest. Now hear it. Stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak. He's giving a message and the message and he's to whom he said, the people he said, this is the rest. This is your shalom. The rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not. I admit that speaking in tongues, I'm not trying to make anybody speak in tongues, but I believe in God pouring out a spirit on you. I believe in God giving Christians a prayer language or speaking in tongues in a way for prayer, not speaking in tongues in a way for, um, for everybody to listen to. I believe that's for all of us, and I believe it's for those reasons. Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. But my head could not get around that this didn't make any sense. And 1 Corinthians 14 bears this out. And there's a paper that you'll also, you will get for this class. And I think I can actually have it. I wasn't thinking of it, but I can have it attached as another PDF for this lesson. So you can get that paper and read through my comments on 1 Corinthians 14. I needed to understand that my, my head was saying, but it doesn't make sense. Even if you have these syllables and sounds that you don't know where they came from and they were never in your mind before, but now they're there. But I, how can I? Because it doesn't make sense. It feels so stupid. But I came to see that the rest, Isaiah 28 is talking about, verse 11 and 12, and that so many people hungry for rest, and he's saying, here's your rest. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. And they say, not if it means in some way me not having control, because I think that might be what the battle is about. If in some way I have to give up control or yield control, I'm uncomfortable. Please don't hear me give, putting pressure on you to speak in tongues. Please hear me telling you this is why I do, and this is why I put value on it. And this is why 
I'm encouraging you to pray and be open to God, filling you in that way. If God pours his spirit on you and manifests by healing someone else, he manifests by beginning to reveal things to you and show you how to do things, I'm good with all that. I believe that does bear witness to the Holy Spirit. I'm very comfortable with that. I don't think everybody is supposed to be giving messages in tongues, languages that people don't know, and then somebody else has to interpret that. Or, or I don't think that everybody has to use that gift or any other gift. But I think the Holy Spirit, the person, the Holy Spirit, is everybody's gift, every Christian's gift. And you and me, if we're wise, should want all we can receive of that Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, this is B on page 3, still above, above the first half of the page. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So he's in intent, telling them to intentionally adjust their schedule, adjust their timing. They've seen the most amazing thing. They've seen a resurrected Christ come through, come th they were in a closed room, all the doors are closed, and then Jesus walked through the door, apparently, without the door being open, came through without making a bunch of noise, and then he could eat something so they could see he had a physical body, they could touch him and hug him, he could speak to him, breathe on him, and say, receive the Holy Spirit. They watched, 40 days later, they watched that same Jesus just literally in that body, lift it and begin to go away, and he was saying these words to them just before he was raised up to go away. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. So he's saying to them, wait for it, want it or desire it, and welcome Holy Spirit. He will teach you. He's a good teacher. I admit I stumbled as a young Christian. I was hard for me. So it didn't just happen. In fact, this is, this is a true story. This is what happened to me. I, my brain just could not bring myself to let out noises and sounds, syllables, that I didn't know what they meant. So I just resisted that. And I was at a prayer meeting I'd probably have been a Christian at that point three months, four months, five months, somewhere in there. And syllables just started to flow out of my mouth. And when they did, when I saw, my brain said, what's that? I put my hand over my mouth and I said, I can't do this. I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's so, I mean, that's the truth. That's what happened. And so at that point, my head did not still get its miracle. But then I began to say, okay, God, I think I'm getting it. You have put it in here. I am, there are syllable sounds and noises, which your word, your Bible tells me is a language that I don't know. And I'm going to have to yield. In other words, I'm going to have to speak it. You won't just make it come out of me. You won't just grab me and thump me. And I, different times, and this would be one of them, but there have been many in my life, I would have gladly had God grab me, thump me, and make me do stuff. I did not want to be responsible for my actions, but I could tell you today that it's love that makes God not grab you, thump you, and force you to do stuff. 
and I'm so grateful that he loves you and he loves me in that way. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, fully submerged, fully wet with the Holy Spirit. And so don't try to speak in tongues. If, if in any way that's distracting to you, don't try. But do be very affirming to being fully submerged in the Holy Spirit. There is no way for you to be biblical and not want that. That's not, I just don't know how you could read the Bible and say, I don't want, I don't want to be fully submerged in God's Holy Spirit. He says, he that believes on me, as the scriptures say, out of his innermost being will, full, will flow rivers of living water. Here's some terms from the Bible, and these are in your notes, second half of the page three. Here's some terms for you. He, he calls it, pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He calls it from the book of Acts, baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He also calls it, they're endued with power. So all of a sudden, given this unction, this anointing, this invisible but real presence of God comes on you, and now power, His power, His life is on you in a fresh way. The Spirit has come upon you, or you are filled with the Holy Spirit. All of those are great terms, but the Bible's talking about one basic thing in a variety of different ways. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the the disciples and the people that were in the upper room. This is their filling story. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they've been waiting for 10 days. They've seen Jesus ascend. They know he was raised from the dead. They watched him beat to death. They watched his death on the cross. They know he was dead. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There's part of the miracle. May God help you and may God help me. May God help this church and churches like this church that while we are looking for an increase of his anointing in our midst, that we would be of one accord in one place, that we would not allow our hearts to be judgmental towards each other. It doesn't mean we understand each other. I assure you we don't. It doesn't mean we agree on all points. Churches People in this church don't agree about every doctrine. And then you have other churches that love the Lord and bear fruit, but they don't exactly have the same doctrine as we do. This is a fruitful church, but this church can be a lot more fruitful. That's what I'm thinking. There's a lot more fruit yet to come for Airport Christian Fellowship. They're with one accord, one heart, a united heart in one place, and suddenly... Now, they don't know, they, he's told them the Holy Spirit's coming, but they don't know what that will look like. They've heard words, just like you and me hear words. Maybe you heard about born again, and you didn't know what it would look like until it happened to you. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And this, they're hearing it, they're feeling it physically. Wow, this is really something. John prophesied it. John truly baptized with water, but you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Then there appeared, verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. I've read testimonies where this has happened 
literally happen in places, but this would be a non-typical testimony. Here's the typical testimony. God fills me to overflowing, and I, have a, I now have a vibrant sense of resurrection life inside of me, that just, just his life is so real and so vibrant. And a flame of tongue, and one sat upon each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So now this means they're speaking languages, but they don't know the languages they're speaking. It doesn't specifically say what language they're speaking. What we, as we read through the story, we find that as all this commotion, now this is 120 people, and this noise of them being the Spirit of God coming on them and their response to it, them vocalizing these messages that their brains aren't understanding, but their mouths are moving and sound is coming out, creates a disturbance because it's loud and visible. But when the people come, and because it's a feast day in Jerusalem, feast days in Jerusalem, just to understand the background, Jerusalem might be a city of 50,000 people. But on a feast day, there could be 500,000 people in the city. If, if you can get your head around that kind of a... So there's people everywhere. So the commotion is real. And they've come from everywhere because it's a feast day and because they're people of faith. But when they hear that commotion, there's people from all over the known world there at that moment. It would be kind of like a similar commotion in New York City. And then people hearing something and then coming from out of everywhere if you're downtown. And you would have people from many countries in New York City. If you just took a uh, quarter mile radius in downtown, like you could have people from all over the place all of a sudden just showing up. And then if at that moment the people that they came to see what the commotion was about were all speaking in tongues but didn't know. Now, the people that were in the midst of it, filled with the Holy Spirit, were speaking Vietnamese, were speaking Cambodian, were speaking the Thai language, were speaking Chinese. China has 500 people groups. Many of them have another language. The world has many languages. But all of a sudden, these people are hearing in many different languages, and they're amazed as they say, they're speaking in my language. This is a very powerful witness for the apostles. The results, he's turned them on in a powerful way. Dreams and visions are now going to begin to come to them and multiply in them, and the book of Acts is going to demonstrate that. The apostle Paul is not, he is maybe in school right now with um, Gamaliel or something, but he is not, um, he might not be, he might be present in Jerusalem, we don't know. They are on fire, God's a consuming fire, they have, their insides are burning with love for God and love for people. They now have received power, they will walk around and they will begin doing the works of Jesus. I hope that sounds attractive to you, that sounds so attractive to me. They're giving a compelling witness. They're not just saying somebody was raised from the dead 
and telling a story. But the compelling witnesses that, as they say, he was raised from the dead, broken bodies, a paralyzed man is going to walk. Blind people are going to see, just like in Jesus' life. All kinds of healings are going to happen. People that are bound with horrible torments are going to get freed of those torments. Demons are going to leave people. And yes, there were speaking in tongues and little flames of fire over people. Now just in getting to the last part of this lesson, I just want to say to you, in Christ, here's the truth, in Christ, you are worthy. His blood, his washing, his spirit make you worthy to be filled with his spirit. I want you to receive that. I hope you can receive that. I can tell you the filth I came from, but his cleansing power by what he did and by the Spirit of God making that alive in my life, making it real, by being born again and having Jesus come inside of me, by God adopting me, adopting you, that's what makes you worthy to be fully wet, fully immersed in God's Holy Spirit. Don't let somebody rip that from you, telling you you have to wait for it. You have to earn it, that it's not God's time. When he told them to wait, he was just having them wait for the time. It was done in God's heart. And I believe it's done in God's heart for you as well, that he wants you and me filled and then filled again. Be, being filled is what Ephesians 5.18 literally means. Be being filled. Get filled and then get filled again. And then as life goes on, and, and let's face it, a, a practical way of saying is it turns out we leak. So if God fills me up, I don't walk around as a closed container. I walk around as a bumpy open container and I leak all over the place and I spill all over the place and sometimes it's a blessing and intentional and sometimes it's not intentional and sometimes I, I just don't maintain the presence of God and I'm diminished and I'm feeling empty. Be being filled. So you are in Christ you're a son. John 1, 12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the authority and the ability to become sons of God, sons and daughters, children of God. So don't say, don't say that truth from this. Don't say, if, if God really loves me, then he will make me do things. I just don't know him to ever force you to do anything. Don't be afraid that he will, like I've seen excesses, okay, in the Holy Spirit. I've come to a place where they don't really, I don't think about them the way I used to. I used to think that is, um, I remember some of you know about Toronto, but way, way when the Toronto blessing was an early experience. I went there and I had two senses. My head was screaming at me that all this noise in this room was in kind of crazy. But my heart was saying to me, but God's here. And my heart, my inner person, my, the part of me that's connected to him, I'm a temple of God, you are too, and we are together. That part of me knew God's here. 
my brain said, I can't make any sense out of this. People were screaming sometimes. People were laughing. People were crying. People were roaring out. It was, it was all kinds of things going on. And so I felt like God was there. In that environment, I, like I said, my brain's fighting with me, but I, I got in a prayer line because I felt like God was there and doing stuff. And eventually a woman comes up and she's to pray for me. I say, quote, unquote, pray for me. And she just looks at me and my hands are out like I'm holding them right now. And she's looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. And then she takes her hands are like this, mine are like this, and she's on the opposite side of me, her hands like this. And she goes, slap, 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 slap. Ah! And then she walked away. Well, I'm telling you, I didn't understand any of that. Right? I didn't understand any of it. Now, God's not going to make you do anything like that. He's not going to make you do it. And if for some reason you cry out, maybe there's a reason. There's an intercessory reason. I hear people cry out, there's reasons. The Bible says, Paul said, my little children whom I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I think Paul was actually saying, in a sense, he was saying, I loudly groan in prayer for them. So things happen. And I think he was, he was, in a sense, he was interceding for people that had gotten right with God and then had left the foundation. And he was interceding for them to come back, praying for them to come back. So God won't, I, I just strongly encourage you not to be afraid that God will force you because he hasn't forced me. I've done some strange things. He never forced me to do one of them. I want you to, to, it's not just for a chosen few. Everybody that God offers the bridge, he's made a bridge through Christ to come to God, not to partly come to God, not to some come to God, but to be, have God with us be a reality in their life. So it's for everybody, not just for some. The Holy Spirit came upon everybody that was in that room that day. He didn't leave somebody out. There's nothing about him leaving anybody out in that room. He wants everybody filled. It's not forced or coerced. Don't make something happen. Trust him to immerse you. Don't try and force it to be. Don't try and make my story. Don't look for the lady that will slap your hands and, and scream at you. Don't look for the guys. I, he probably was a Christian for three months. I was somewhere in that window, so I hadn't been there long. And people were praying for me to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they grabbed onto me, and there was a person on both sides of me, and they, they had their hands on me. And they, they were moving me back and forth, and they were speaking in tongues, and they were patting me on the back. They were saying, come on, you can do it. I'm just telling you, I, won't, I don't think I can pray for you that way. I'd have to have, if I pray for you that way, it'll be because I absolutely for some reason believe God's telling me to pray for you that way because that is not how I pray for people. Because it was so distracting. But I also want to tell you the truth about it. So my head, again, in that experience, my head said, wow, how do I, you know, I don't understand what they're doing. I couldn't focus on God because they were making so much noise. I couldn't just relax with them or anything so I left that place um, I'd made some noise some syllables came out they were thrilled right I my head said nothing happened my head said nothing happened 
I got in my car. Now, up until probably three months before that, I was a heavy drinker every day. I knew what it was like to be drunk. I got behind my car, I turned my car on, I started driving, and it was just like back when I was drunk, with this exception. It was, I never felt clean when I was drunk. I felt out of control. I did not feel out of control. I felt joy. I, my heart was overflowed with happiness. And I could have, I was so happy, I could have just started driving in circles and stuff. And so, and I can remember, I was on a, um, like I was on my way back up to Dry Hill, and I remember just on the road, there was nobody else on the road, and I just kind of rocked back and forth, and I said, woo, I, you know, I feel this. Something happened to me. Well, Jesus, you're the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. You're the one who fills. You, it's a myth to think it's earned. It's a myth to think it's deserved. It's a myth to think it's for the, the best of us if we're good enough. The truth is, is that everyone who's truly a child of God, you want them, us all, to be full of your spirit. That's how church really is done. That's how we live for you. We live by and walk with you by the Holy Spirit. So God, I just thank you so much for that. And I pray that as my brothers and sisters who hear this lesson pray, I'm asking you, God, would you fill them? I know you want to. Fill them to overflowing. Give them any gift you want to give them, any gift that's the best for them. Reveal yourself to them. Make it real for them that this thing is not just, not just a turning over a new leaf and trying harder. This is, they're a different kind of person. They're a God kind of person. They're a Jesus is inside me kind of person. They're a Holy Spirit filled and led kind of person. And Lord, you haven't helped them trust you. It was, it was hard for me to trust you. I was, and I forgive me again for that because I just think I was so, I just, it was hard for me to trust you. You were faithful and true, but I struggled with trust. But you are trustworthy. And so I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I bless you right now. I extend my hand towards those by faith, those who are going to watch this. I extend my hand and my heart and my faith towards you. Be filled to overflowing. Be filled in your bed. Be filled when you're sleeping. Be filled when you wake up. Be filled when you worship. Be filled, be filled, be filled so that your life and your connection with Christ is vibrant and full and alive with his life. I bless them in Jesus' name. If you have any questions about this lesson, because this is an audio, because we weren't sitting face-to-face, -face, Paul at myacf.org, and we can talk about questions, those kind of things. And when this is posted up, like I said, it should be posted with those two documents, the lesson and also that uh, comments on a, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, just to specifically talk about the chapter in the Bible that talks most about speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. God bless you and thank you.